0: When Strasbourg became German, its university was relocated to the city of Clermont-Ferrand, a hot, sprawling place in the Massif Central, about a hundred miles south of Lyon. Students and academics gathered uncertainly in October 1940 to start the new term, Lucie's old friend Jean Cavaillès among them. Called up in 1939, he had been captured by German troops in Belgium had escaped his guards, found a bicycle, and cycled south. Shortly after term began, Lucie went to see him in Clermont, and he took her to lunch in a city-centre restaurant, packed with students, academics, and journalists, where he introduced her to a man named Emmanuel d'Astier de la Vigerie. For all three, it was a decisive moment. The little game which Lucie and Raymond had been playing in Lyon was about to become something more serious. Clermont was an early breeding ground of resistance. The city was home to La Montagne, a large circulation left-wing newspaper, whose owner had been one of the 80 parliamentarians who refused to vote full powers to Pétain in July 1940. The relocation of Strasbourg University had brought with it another reservoir of anti-Nazi and anti-Vichy activism. Like Lyon, the city housed hundreds of refugees— who knew they would be pursued by reason of their politics or their race in the occupied zone, and who had scrambled across the demarcation line to relative safety. Jean Cavailles was already playing a central role in the anti-Vichy discussions which had emerged from this melee. An archaeological dig out on the plains of Jurgauville provided a convenient meeting place for disaffected staff and students, discreetly to discuss the same question which Lucie and her in-laws debated in Lyon. What could be done? The man she and Cavaillès met in the Brasserie de Strasbourg had come up with an answer. Emmanuel Dastier de la Vigerie was to become one of the greatest heroes of the French Resistance, but he seemed a very unlikely candidate for the role in the autumn of 1940. Everyone who met Dastier was struck by his fin de siècle charm and aristocratic persona. He was the sort of person whom Nancy Mitford might have taken as a model for her French heroes. Lucie found him an astonishing character, a Don Quixote-like figure, very tall, very thin, very pronounced features, a hooked nose, thin lips. About forty, he had thick, wavy black hair, with a little grey, already receding at the temples. I was immediately struck by his large, beautiful hands, delicate and well-cared for. Very few from any background could resist Dastier's charm it would prove a powerful weapon in the coming fight. On the face of it, he and Lucie had nothing in common. Dastier's life had been that of an effete, moneyed writer, playboy, opium addict, and lover of the good life from a landed family. There was nothing left-wing in his background— but neither had he particularly allied himself pre war with any of the Catholic, monarchical, or otherwise anti republican factions at whose Parisian representatives Lucie had hurled insults in the boulevard Saint Michel. In fact, he had been almost apolitical, and only the shock of defeat had changed him. Commanding troops on the Atlantic coast in June, he had been outraged by the refusal of his brother officers to offer opposition to the German advance. The dumb acquiescence in defeat of his large upper-class acquaintance had awoken him from the life of a dilettante. Having decided not to go to London to join the Free French, he forced himself to break from his addiction, shutting himself alone in a hotel room for eight days during which time he nearly died, and was ready for action. He entered the resistance neither for nationalism nor internationalism, but motivated simply by dignity. He could not tolerate the ignominy of France's position. Just before meeting Lucie Samuel, Dastier had founded La Dernière Colonne, the last column. It had two aims. First, Dastier intended semi-seriously to assassinate prominent collaborators and French Nazis. He had his eye particularly on Henri Béraud, the corpulent, double-chinned, English-hating editor of Gringoire a right-wing French newspaper that acted as Vichy's principal cheerleader and was described by George Orwell as the most disgusting rag it is possible to...